Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when The Office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hey everyone. Today we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 3, Business Ethics. In this episode, Jim makes an announcement, Holly and Michael team up, and Meredith crosses the line. We finally get a cold open for this season, and it is Jim on the phone with Pam just, you know, discussing things. And Pam says that she is a little upset because no one in the office has congratulated her on her and Jim's recent engagement. And Jim reveals to her that that is probably because he has not told anyone that they are engaged. Pam, forgetting where she works here, is like, come on, it's not going to be that bad. Just tell him. So Jim puts her on speakerphone and says, hey, everyone, I have an announcement. Pam and I are engaged. And exactly the reaction that Jim had anticipated ensues. Oscar's the first to respond, and he just says, I thought you guys were already engaged. And I don't know how long they've been dating. I don't know, like maybe it's been about a year if we're kind of putting that in the timeline of the show. Just over a year, perhaps. So it's not like they've been together like forever, but no one actually says congratulations Angela's response to Oscar is, oh, no, but she was engaged to Roy. So we're dredging up Roy here again. Andy is upset because it's kind of close to his engagement. And Dwight chimes in that Pam is not a virgin. Kevin, I think, has the best response in that he already purchased an engagement gift for Pam and Roy and asks if he has to get one for Pam and Jim. Fair question, I guess. To end the cold open, Michael walks in and says, what's going on? Since it seems like there's an office discussion, Pam quickly tries to say absolutely nothing, just saying hi, but Creed says the tall guy got engaged. Michael is the only person excited and his excitement leads him to just knock over Jim. This episode centers almost entirely around the business ethics discussion that Holly has to have with the entire office and we learn that this is because of the fallout from ryan's kind of scheme to boost the sales numbers on the website which is awkward because of course ryan is in the room right then and holly couches it as recent events at corporate have forced corporate to reevaluate its ethics policy and to want to give a refresher (laughs) And Kevin's like, oh, come on. He's right there. Because Holly said, and that employee has been fired and dealt with. And it's like, but really, though, he's actually back on getting a salary from the same company, which is just fascinating because it seems, again, through the temp agency. But still, how did no one step in and say, no, he cannot work for this company in any capacity at any branch? Everyone knows that Michael loves a good conference room meeting. This is Holly's first conference room meeting, so he wants it to be a success. We also know that Michael loves song parodies. 
And Holly generally is a bit of a nerd and seems to go along with that stuff. So their way to kick off the ethics seminar is to do a parody of Olivia Newton-John's Let's Get Physical, but as Let's Get Ethical. And they walk in and they have, I don't know if anyone has seen this music video ever, but in the music video, she has like the headband going around her head, not really where it's supposed to be, but like a sweatband thing. But it's a blue and silver like rope tie. And so they they made those and then they do like a little dance to the song and it goes on for a little bit too long as many of Michael's song parodies do. And then Michael is like, oh my gosh, Holly Flax is going to lead her first meeting. This is going to be so great. And Holly's version of a conference room meeting is probably what it should be. <laughs> exactly. she, is, she is going directly through the binder that she has been told she has to go through. It is actually informative. If not a bit dry, but that's how those things that's have a, yeah, to be exactly. to get through them. That's, yeah, that's a, exactly. That's just how they go. And Michael steps in almost immediately and says that these people, they're expecting something from these meetings. They're expecting laughs and twists and surprises when really, A, no, those things should not be in a corporate conference. But B, everybody in the office hates these things and they know they are pointless. Nothing gets people riled up more than, one, pointless emails and those that are chains that keep getting responded to, but two, pointless, boring meetings. So all Holly needs to do is just pretty much just check the boxes, you know? But that's just not how Michael operates. Like, he wants it to be exciting and fun and thinks it's a comedy show. And really, and Oscar makes a good point here. He's like, this isn't ethics. It's not business ethics. It's just corporate's anti-time theft, anti-shoplifting, anti-don't-use-your-sick-days sort of policy here. It's all very, you know, pro-employer in a lot of respects, as those things are. That's just how corporate policies are going to be set up because they're the ones extending these benefits. In this part of the meeting, time thievery and don't take a pencil really are the things that stand out. And Michael is kind of complaining that this is boring. Right. At this point, Michael pretty much hijacks the meeting and turns it into this open forum, almost like a, like who's got the good stuff? Who's got the dirt? What what kind of bad things are you doing that really kind of test the limits of, of business ethics? Which is really not what a boss should be encouraging. And he leads it off. Yes, he leads it off. He gives everyone immunity, which Holly tries to say, no, that's not actually a thing here. <laughs> Michael just kind of shushes her and, and pushes her to the side. And Michael says that when he first discovered YouTube, he didn't work for five days. Which is another one of those sign of the time things because work software has gotten uh, so sophisticated now that you can block like specific sites and it can really get to the point of you can't even go to like see a restaurant menu if you're going to order like for lunch. Um, kind of just depending on the size of your company, but 
very few work computers would allow you to go to like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, things like that anymore. Oscar continues the confession session, if you will, and says that sometimes he takes just a little bit longer at lunch. Which that seems to concern Holly. She's kind of making faces as some of these, quote, confessions are coming out. Because one of the things that she raised as far as, like, what time theft is, is standing around the water cooler. Which is such an interesting perspective. And that's one of those things that I think can fall into a gray area. Because... You want to have camaraderie and you do want to get to know your coworkers. And there are times where you're just like on your way to the bathroom, you're on your way to fill up your water bottle and someone that you're friendly with or that you know happens to be passing wherever they're going. And so you stop and chat for 10 minutes or so. And those are the sort of connections that make us human and not robots. But for some, I would say in the workplace, that's incredibly frowned upon but how do you are you only supposed to talk about business you can't ask how are you ask about your day so it's just this interesting line in the way that holly and the corporate binder are presenting it is that you don't get to have any of those conversations like you go to the water cooler you get your cup of water you go immediately back to your desk you shouldn't even know your coworker's name that's kind of extreme but that's kind of where they're like heading right and i have to imagine that most places, you know, in this fictional situation, Dunder Mifflin included, they're not going to be worried about time theft in that sense of, you know, speak talking at the water cooler for too long, unless it is just something that constantly happens. And then they mention, you know, they get to uh, taking office supplies. They're not going to care if you take a pencil home with you or a pen or something. Now, if it was like a ream of paper, something that the company needs to make money, then yeah, that's a bit more of an issue. I will tell you that a lot of times in my workplace, office supplies is like the Hunger Games. We have gotten to the point where our office supplies are locked up. And if you so much need a pad of paper, which I often do, you have to ask the administrative assistant who's some who does not work five days a week by the way to unlock the closet and hand you one pad of paper you cannot even stock two so it's it is frustratingly annoying and i just bring my own office supplies at this point like i couldn't find a working pen for the longest time and i had to go and just get my own pens And so that's the point to where people are like, oh my God, I just need to do my job. I don't need to spend 20 minutes searching for the correct color file folder. Can you just make sure it's there? At one of my old jobs, I was the paper police. (laughs) I literally had to go to to our printers every single month and record how many pieces of paper people had printed and cop like between printing and copying how many pieces of paper they had used for that month because apparently before i got there that was an issue like people were just printing and copying willy-nilly i don't know and i don't know i 
I don't know what was done with these reports. I had to submit them every single <laughs> month. So I don't know if like anybody got followed up with if there was a magic number or whatever that, oh, you went over this number for the month. Now we have to dock your, your pay yeah, or something. Yeah, dock for I next month. That is the, that's one of the cons of a public service job. Like those budgets are tight and they're scrutinized. So supplies are a premium at those type of jobs. It's not like at probably a Dunder Mifflin or like a big Fortune 500 company where it's like they're stocking like snacks for you. This is, <laughs> you know, we have a different work experience than some friends of ours that they're like, yeah, yeah, we get every meal like catered in. Yeah. Continuing on with the confessions, Kelly gets a little more serious in her malfeasance in that she says she downloads pirated music to her computer, which is another thing that would never happen in uh, this this time. Uh, you know, as, as we said before, you know, different companies probably have different levels of security as to what websites you can go to and things like that. But generally, just about everybody uh, has blocked downloading things onto your computer. Yeah, and I have to assume that she's talking about like Napster yeah. in this time frame, and that doesn't even really exist anymore. But this would have been before you, you would have had a separate iPod, you wouldn't have had like a smartphone, or it wouldn't have been as ubiquitous. So you wouldn't have had like a Spotify or Pandora to stream on your own phone. Angela makes a confession that is not work-related at all, but she says that she reported Oscar to INS at one point, thinking that he was an illegal, and everything checked out at that point, which is just racist. Yeah, just awful. Standard Angela. Yeah. In, in this case, it's not discriminatory racism. It's just boilerplate plate run-of-the-mill racism so we're not gonna fire Angela for this for this at least right but she says she's glad she did it like she just had to be sure I'm like yeah. what and then Meredith kind of ups the ante on everybody and says that she has been sleeping with a representative from the hammer mill paper company for the last six years in exchange for discounts on their paper supplies and Outback Steakhouse gift certificates. The reaction to this is somewhat expected and unexpected, you could say. There's a there's a bit of an uproar, but Michael just laughs at it. He's like, "Oh my god, Meredith." Uh. Yeah, to him this is like just like the juicy gossip. Yes. Like he's like, "Oh man, this is so great that this came out." He is not seeing any sort of business or ethics implications at all. Holly is just absolutely appalled, though. And she's like, I'd like to talk more about that. Like, this is serious and concerning. But for Michael, that was a successful meeting. He's like, all right, I think we can wrap this up. So the objective of the meeting to go over corporate's policy still hasn't been met, but that's a typical Michael meeting. They had to do that diversity training again, if you'll recall, because everyone had to sign off that they actually received the training. Holly feels like this is worthy of an investigation and a report to the corporate HR office. So she holds a meeting with Meredith and Michael in Michael's office, and Meredith says, 
hey, this was during the immunity section. Why am I getting questioned further? I gave you what you wanted and you told me I wouldn't get in trouble. And so here we see Michael and Holly kind of at odds because Holly is saying that immunity section wasn't a real thing. Like, that's not how that works. And Michael is trying to defend Meredith because Holly is alluding to the fact that Meredith is going to lose her job over this. And Michael, as we know, doesn't like when that happens because it is seen as him losing a family member or a friend. And he has to have all these people in his life. And so this is going to be a theme that we see get played out in the rest of this episode is Holly treating this as a business place and Michael treating this as his family and friend circle. At the beginning of the episode, when Michael was preparing to help Holly like launch this commenter meeting, he does a one-on-one with the camera saying, why am I helping her? We're not even dating. Well, I'm hoping that this friendship just goes so well that it merges without her knowing into a relationship. Michael's still on this pathway. He's still not at all seeing anything wrong with Meredith's actions. Holly's dead set on writing this report. So Michael takes the opportunity to say, why don't you know, two attractive, intelligent, fun, funny people go to lunch and bang out this Meredith issue. Holly agrees. They go to Cooper's, which we've heard about Cooper's uh, in the season before. It's sort of like a, a upscale seafood restaurant. It reminds me of a local restaurant we have in, in our town. I wouldn't say that. No? No. Do you think it's more Red Lobster? Yeah, it reminds me of, like, um, nautically-themed Fridays. Like, there's just, like, fish and pirate stuff all (laughs) over the place. So, yeah, that's what I would think it is. But this lunch does kind of serve two purposes, like you said, in that they are going to be discussing Meredith's future here. But for Michael, this is also an opportunity for him to kind of work his way into dating Holly without her knowing it. And what's funny to me about this is that that's kind of how relationships work in general. (laughs) Like, depending on the situation, very often you don't go into meeting somebody, say it uh, be a friend of a friend or a coworker or whatever, where you're just like, I'm going to date that person. Like, generally, it just kind of takes getting to know somebody, and then you build this friendship, and then if there is an attraction there, a mutual attraction there, like, it just kind of moves towards being a relationship. And so Michael acting like this is something special is just weird to me. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it kind of just shows his lack of experience, and then serves to emphasize in some ways just how unhealthy his relationship with Jan really was. And if this is what Michael is trying to do and kind of trick, for lack of a better word, Holly into dating him, he's really, really bad at it because he just gets in his own way so often or he makes it blatantly obvious what he's trying to do. Yeah. Like he is overly nice to 
Holly. And then, like, like you said, when he goes to Holly to talk about going to lunch, all the adjectives he uses to, like, just compliment her and himself. And then when Holly is like, no, I actually brought my lunch, Michael throws her lunch away and is like, nope, we got to go to, we're going to go out. And it's going to be on Dunder Mifflin. And then he's like, wait, no, we can't do that because you're not a client. So you're going to have to pay for yours and I'll pay for mine. And Holly is visibly annoyed that he threw her lunch away as anybody would be. But she would have to be just willfully blind to the fact that he has a crush on her. He starts at the lunch trying to do like a get to know you thing. Like, oh, you're from Des Moines. What's your favorite season? This is my, like those very generalities of people's personalities. Holly's pretty laser focused on figuring out what they're going to do about Meredith. Michael's position is, let's not report it. Let's punish her in-house. That serves as his opening position as if this is a negotiation between the two of them. Holly really will not move off of, this is unethical. This is a huge problem. There is an exchange of goods. The company is getting a benefit because of a sexual relationship. We need to do something about this. As the lunch goes on, Michael kind of moves to the position of sweeping it under the rug and not even doing an in-house punishment. Holly's upset. She says that it's kind of icky. That's not really the type of workplace that she wants to be a part of. And this is where the big difference in point of views really comes into play because Michael's immediate response to that is, well, sometimes in a family you have to put up with icky things. Holly's like, this is not a family. It's a place of business. It's a workplace. That is not how that works. And that is the accurate picture here right and so this is kind of the first time that we see michael and holly come to a head on something and just have a disagreement and michael responds by just being super petty we see them in kind of the kitchen area later in the episode and michael is pouring himself a mug of coffee And Holly shows up and has her own little thermos thing and reaches it out for Michael to fill it up. And, you know, Holly just has a smile on her face, just trying to be friendly. And Michael not only refuses to fill her thermos, but takes the pot of coffee with him so she can't even get her own coffee. After that, we see Holly moving towards the copier to make some copies. And Michael practically sprints out of his office to cut in front of her to occupy the copier. And he didn't have any plans to actually make any copies because he takes a picture off of the wall right in front of the copier and starts making copies of that. And so again, this is Michael just getting in his own way in when he is trying to build this relationship with Holly. And this certainly is not helping. Not at all. It It's extremely childish. It's classic Michael. And as Holly says to the camera, being the morality police does not make you popular. And and she calls Michael her best friend in the office. So she's hurt by his reactions, especially because she's just trying to do her job. Towards the end of the day, Michael 
and Holly have a phone conference with the head of HR at corporate named Kendall. It seems as though Holly has submitted her report and is looking for some guidance as to what a, the corporate office would like to have happen. Quite shockingly, Kendall says, I don't see a problem. If anything, it's a gray area. You know, the company's going through some hard fiscal times. We can't not accept this discount no matter which way it's coming. Like, this is for the good of the company. All we needed you to do was run a seminar, tell people not to steal some pencils, to use their PTO time properly, and to not waste time at the water cooler. Sign off on that and give us those signatures. Why can't you do that? He gives her a thorough dressing down, completely ignores the issue of Meredith, doesn't say there's any sort of problem, and then hangs up the phone. Holly definitely gets the raw end of the deal in all of this because of this and because of what follows this immediately. Holly goes out to the office to make an announcement and is getting ignored, and then she really has to kind of interject herself in there and says that we need to redo this conference because I just need you guys to sign something. I need to get through this binder. You guys need to sign this thing, and then we'll be done with it. And everybody is very hesitant because of what has happened to Meredith earlier in the episode when there was the, quote, immunity time, and Meredith said this and then now gets in trouble for the things she said. People are taking this out on Holly when, actually, it was Michael's fault that this all happened. Yes. And so... They don't trust Holly anymore because they feel like anything that they say in this conference, whether it be problematic or not, is going to be used against them. And this is where Michael steps in and sticks up for Holly. He definitely feels bad for her after the call that they had with Kendall. And in seeing her struggle here, He feels bad for her and wants to help her in this instance. He was weirdly gloaty about it, which is, it's frustrating. It's, like I said, appalling that the head of HR does not at all see a problem with this because the company's going to get some sort of discount on the paper. That is icky. I agree with Holly in this sense that they're over, they're quite willing to overlook a pretty problematic interaction that if it had come to light at some sort of stockholder meeting or board meeting would have blown up the company in, in a lot of respects. And potentially Hammer Mill as well. Like how is that being yeah. looked at at their corporate books? I have to imagine there's a lot of accounting behind all these numbers. Uh, It's kind of crazy. And really, Kendall acted as though if Holly couldn't get these signatures, her job was going to be on the line. Never made mention of, you know, we need to have some sort of redress with Meredith. Some sort of, you know, specific training to her. They're willing to let this carry on. And so with Michael's help, Holly gets everybody into the conference room gets through her seminar without interruption from Michael. Michael just sits back, lets her read through the binder. They finish up, and we later see everybody sharing some Outback Steakhouse provided by Meredith because of all the gift cards that she has gotten from this representative. The only other 
plot that plays out through this episode is between Jim and Dwight. So during Holly's first go around at the ethics seminar, Dwight claims that he has never once stolen time from the company. He's not a time thief. And Jim is just like, come on, you've not once for one second done something just for yourself. And Dwight says, no. So the entire rest of the day, Jim vigilantly watches Dwight and tracks exactly what he's doing. And to very extreme measures as well. Jim times how long Dwight yawned for. And when Dwight argued with Jim about timing him, Jim started timing him again because of the personal conversation he was having with Jim at that time. And this really throws Dwight off and he starts going to extreme measures to not waste any company time. And Jim lays all of these out in a one-on-one with the camera. Jim says that Dwight sneezed at one point, but still kept his eyes open in order to keep working. And that he has not gone to the bathroom at all because at one point, Dwight urinated into an empty two-liter bottle without leaving his desk. And Jim points out the irony in this situation because, of course, since he has been keeping track of all the times that Dwight hasn't been working, he has not been working himself. My favorite part of this prank is that he really tries to goad Dwight at a certain point by going over to Andy's desk, which is right behind Dwight's, and asking if Andy has seen Battlestar Galactica. Except he's getting it wrong on purpose, knowing that Dwight's a huge fan of not only Battlestar Galactica, but other sci-fi fantasy genres. So he throws in Star Wars references, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. I don't know if there's anything else in there. Those are the only ones I know. There's some Star Trek in there, too. Okay. And and he says, that doesn't sound right. And at one point, Dwight does turn around to be like, this is extremely wrong. But Jim raises the stopwatch. So he's really just needling poor Dwight about something he's interested in. And that's really all we get this episode. So let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about the episode. So there's not a lot of fun facts about season five on the internet unfortunately, but there is one that I think is pretty interesting, and it has to do with a continuity error. If you think back to season three at the convention, when Michael and Dwight go to Philadelphia for that that office supply expo, and Jim and Josh come from the Stanford branch, Michael connected with and signed up Hammer Mill to be the exclusive Dunder Mifflin paper supplier at that convention. So the timeline here doesn't quite work because Meredith says that she has been sleeping with the hammer mill rep for six years in order to get a discount. Six years has not elapsed uh, since this convention. Yeah. So probably just picked the wrong like paper supply company Yeah. to prove the point. Curtis, I think we had a lot of firings this episode. Let's see who we have. So we lose Meredith, obviously. Obviously. We also lose Angela and Dwight because at one point, while Jim is keeping a watchful eye on Dwight, Dwight disappears for something like 19 minutes, 15 seconds, something like that. 
and Jim asks, what was that all about? And Dwight said that it is personal. And at this time, he is seen kind of like adjusting his pants. And then the camera shoots over to Angela. And she is seen like rebuttoning her blouse at the very top. And so we are led to assume that they went off for another one of their bang sessions. So <laughs> obviously they get fired for that. Uh, Dwight also gets fired um, for urinating in the middle of the office in a two-liter bottle. Because you have to make the assumption, especially in the open office plan, he's going to have to extract his penis in order to do this. Generally, yeah. (laughs) So there is penile exposure going on in the workplace. Yes. I think Michael also gets fired He's the boss and the head of the Scranton branch. He is quite willing to overlook Meredith's liaisons in order to get this discount, even celebrating it as something funny in some respects. And so also while Kendall is not a member of the Scranton branch, I think we definitely have to lose Kendall for being extremely willing to keep getting these discounts. Absolutely. Um, One thing to remember about this is that in the universe of The Office, this is being filmed for a television show. (laughs) That is a really good point. And so this is going to come out at one point. The the events of this day is going to come out at one point and be a pretty big scandal. I have to imagine it would come out immediately like the the, sure. the documentary filmers would be like hey here's this thing that we found out is going on and they would report that yeah and so there would be a big time shakeup at dunder mifflin i have to imagine and this seems like one of those situations where a there would need to be scalps there would need to be yes. people going in order to show that dunder mifflin took this seriously and it's something that they're addressing and that it'll never happen again. And I definitely think Kendall is the big scalp in this. And Michael probably goes as well as the person that was the direct person overseeing all of that. Yes. Just like in succession, Kendall will be the sacrificial lamb. Yes. And so for the counts on this, it's Meredith's first firing this season. It's her sixth overall. It's Angela's second firing this season. It's her sixth overall. It is Dwight's third firing this season. It's his 14th overall. And it is Michael's first firing this season. It's his 38th overall. And obviously, Kendall, we've never met before, nor do we ever actually meet him, but he's gone. Do you have a Dundee to give out? The Gunslinger Award actually goes to two people. It goes to... Stanley and Michael and that's for just being quick on the draw of some pretty good quips for Stanley's when Holly's talking about time theft and she says can anyone think of something that's just a complete waste of time I'm paraphrasing there Stanley without looking up from his crossword says this meeting which is a pretty good one and somewhat accurate still on the time thieving Dwight says that he has never he has never stolen any time from the company and he uses some sort of phrase like I've never been a time thief and Michael just immediately responds that you are a thief of joy which is a insult that we used to like to say in college 
<laughs> when someone was kind of cramping our fun. What is your Dundee? The most misinformed goes to Michael because in his lunch with Holly, he says that his favorite season is fall. <laughs> and I am here to tell all of you that fall is undoubtedly the worst season of all of them. This is something that Curtis feels very passionate about. We all have hills we're going to die on. <laughs> and my one hill is that I will not rest until I convince everyone that fall is terrible. <laughs> Everything you think you like about fall is actually not that great. Um, leaves turning color is because they're dying and then they all fall onto the ground and it's a pain in the ass to clean up. Yeah. And then all you're left with is just bare, depressing trees. Yeah. The weather is awful. It's cloudy and like 50 and cooler all the time. And it rains a lot. Um, pumpkin spice is just all spice nutmeg and cinnamon you can it's make true. you can make that anytime you can make chili anytime it's true you can wear sweaters anytime everything that people like about fall and terms of like oh you get to bundle up and you know you can wear sweaters and coats and scarves and stuff like that you're doing things to make yourself warm do you know when you can be warm just anytime in the summer which is the best season I, I personally don't like sweating excessively, so sometimes the summer can be a bit much. Fall is football season, but you would like football if it was played in the spring. Like That would be accurate for the majority of people. Yes. It, it doesn't matter when football is played. You just like football. You don't like the fact that it's played in the fall. And so, yes, fall is a miserable, dull, depressing season, and I will go to my grave believing that and trying to get all of you to believe that as well. I do like the leaves changing. It's just really pretty. But yeah, it is really depressing once they are all on the ground. And it's for like two weeks. Like the full bloom of fall is like a week and a half and then all the leaves are gone and they're on the ground and it's annoying. Just a fun side story. I was going for a walk the other day and there was just this beautiful just bright yellow tree and this guy was having his dog like pose and sit in, in the middle of the road to try to get the dog in front of the tree but the dog obviously wasn't looking right at the camera so he wasn't getting like the perfect view who is your employee of the month um i chose holly since she is seemingly the only ethical person that works at dunder mifflin I agree with Oscar that a lot of what they were selling isn't quote-unquote ethics, but she was fighting to do her job properly, which is not something that happens a lot at Dunder Mifflin. Who is your employee of the month? Same person for the same reasons. So that does it for this week's episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. And be sure to keep listening to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us, be sure to rate, subscribe, like, comment, wherever you can in order to keep getting our name out there. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.